The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now. Broadcasting at 88.9 FM. Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Anteater Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcast in 3, 2, 1. Good morning. You're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm Janine. This is KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Looking forward to chatting with my first guest this morning, Herod Blank. He's uh, the son of Les Blank, and um, he has been involved in this film called A Poem is a Naked Person. He's an artist and filmmaker, and uh, as it's listed on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, he was trained on the job by his father from an early age. He's known for his work with art cars, making them and also documenting them on film. He's co-founder of the annual San Francisco Bay Area event, Art Car Fest, and he's been building Art Car World, a museum in Douglas, Arizona, since 2005. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Herod Blank. Good morning. How are you? Great. This film is really, really interesting. A poem is a naked person. Could you give a little backstory about this? Sure. The film was... I guess conceived by Denny Cordell and Leon Russell way back, and there's a couple versions of the story. One is that Denny Cordell had seen Les's film, The Blues According to Lightning Hopkins, and was really moved by it and thought that it would be really cool if Les did a film on Leon, mm-hmm. and Leon just went along with the idea. The other thing I've heard is that the two men approached the AFI in Los Angeles and inquired who would be a good documentarian for covering Leon Russell, and Les Blank's name came up. Great. I have a feeling it's the first The first one is more than the second one, um, because I kind of remember Les talking about it, uh, that Denny Cordell, um, it was his idea, and I also know that in the end, Denny Cordell wrote Les a letter stating that they were very pleased with the film and that it was a, a, a wonderful work, et cetera, mm-hmm. that, you know, the film should be released and all that. But but that didn't come from Leon. So okay. I, I'm not sure, you know, what happened, but <laughs> uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out. Tell me about your dad, because obviously he was heavily involved in, in this film. How would you describe your dad? I would describe him as a, at, at, at the time, a broody, uh, heavy drinking, um, soul searching type of person uh-huh. who was very creative, very intelligent, um, had inner demons, felt inadequate as a father, um, was poetic and was discovering himself as a as an artist and as a filmmaker 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see it through the choices that he made in how he shot the film, what he shot, and then how he edited the film, um, what he was doing and what his stamp was. So it's very clear that it's Les Blank's work, and it was his mm-hmm. first feature after all. I was going to ask that, yes. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he was, he was uh, into beauty, and so there's a lot of beauty in his work, and, and in this film... Uh, you'll see a lot of sunset footage, a lot of nature. I saw that, yes. Um, Fishing. He, he liked to see both the living and the dead. Uh, he, he, he liked to see the process of, of life. And really, he, he believed that there was only one life, that there was no afterlife, and thus um, re- you really needed to grab what you could out of life. And one of Leon's early responses to the film was, there, there were too many sunsets for me. <laughs> so, you know, you can see right there that they had a difference, a difference of opinion of what constituted a, a proper film on, on Leon Russell. Right, right. And well, I did notice uh, there's a lot of fishing, a lot of nature, and then that snake scene. I had to look away for a moment. <laughs> it's kind of gross. Well, you know, that, that was uh, his thing. one of the fascinations is the tenuousness of life. And, in fact, that snake came to horrify myself because that snake ended up going home with Les, and then he, he got another snake, oh. and he had it for many years. And guess who had to feed that snake? Oh, come on. Me. And, <laughs> and at first it was like mice and then chicks, and then mm. it moved up the ladder until it was like full-blown rabbits. Oh, gross. And I had to feed the snake a rabbit once. I was about 16 years old at this oh, point. Gosh. And that was it for me. I could not do that anymore. I don't blame you. And it was, it was, it was a creepy fascination, you know, mm. for Les. And, and that, that freaks out a lot of audience members. And freaks, Leon Russell does not really like that scene at all. And, and his wife can't even watch it. She walks out of the theater when that comes on. Mm-hmm. I can see but, why. Les wanted that, you know, wanted that to be a, a point that that life and fame are fleeting, that they're not forever, and I think that's that's such an interesting statement. And and look what happened in Leon's career, that he was on a trajectory to go to outer space yes. at that time. He was a super rock star, and then after the movie came out, I don't know what happened, but his career started to. Um, taper off, and, and then I, I don't even know what happened to him for, for many years until he was picked back up by Elton John. I know. I was going to ask because the footage was great, by the way, the, the footage of him performing, and, and it seemed like, okay, well, where did he go? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I really don't know. That's a mystery that I would like to um, kind of unravel with Leon as, as we keep moving along with this film, the backstory that the only person that knows it really is Leon. And that backstory, I think, hopefully he has some of it in his, his book that he's writing. And uh, I keep encouraging to keep working on this book because it's, his, his story is pretty amazing. And I was reading that he has over 20 albums. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's Incredible. He's, uh, he's touched a lot of people and worked with a lot of people, and 
made a lot of impact on people. And then beyond the music thing, what I've discovered is that he's he's quite the uh, producer type, arranger, visionary, where he he collects these people that have so much talent and brings them together. He claims that this was not necessarily intentional or or a talent of his, but I have a feeling that you know he he's the one that chose Jim Franklin to come paint at the at the lakefront studio, and he's the one that chose ultimately he said yes to left blank filming and then all those musicians that perform together from Nashville and elsewhere they're all amazing they sure are uh, by the way th- let's talk about that scene where Jim is painting the pool mm-hmm. I and he starts talking about how parents who let their kids paint on the walls end up you know raising artists I love the idea of the blank page and letting your kids just go free you know creatively yeah, and I think that's, you know, obviously that's something that Les believed and gravitated towards, and here I am, uh, a product of this. I, both my brother and I came out being very creative. Um, Jim Franklin, I think, does give a great speech at that at that point, and in the film you see this, this white, stark swimming pool in the beginning, and then you see Jim painting on it a little bit, and then you see the the finished pool, which is a psychedelic oh, it's really cool. ensemble, <laughs> yeah. which is really really wild and beautiful. Yeah, um, you know, and you could you could say, well, what's that have to do with Leon Russell? Right. Um, it, it is a little bit out there, but if you just go with the flow, it it all kind of fits together into this what this film is. You know, I have to interject. Matt, that would be a pretty cool business when you think about it. People painting psychedelic pool bottoms. I mean, I know. I, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, exactly. Wow. I don't know how many people could afford it, though. I'm not sure what that cost. I don't know, but that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out Leon claims that that Jim did not use the proper paint because when he filled it with water, it was gone. Part, particles <laughs> of the paint floated up the surface. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I can imagine. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Tell me about uh, where this film has been shown. Well, it premiered at South by Southwest in Austin Mm -hmm. in March of 2015. And then it had a theatrical premiere at the Film Forum in New York, where Leon Leon attended both, both of these screenings. And then it moved to L.A. and then San Francisco, and now it's going to go to Nashville on the 31st of July and then uh, Tulsa on August 5th. And Leon is going to be, you know, attending all of these screenings. Oh, great. And uh, it, it's fascinating because, you know, for me, I, I've seen Leon's reticence towards this film from the very beginning. He did not want the movie as it was out. He still didn't. He did, just didn't jive with him. And whatever issues he had in the past with Les, uh, he doesn't have those with me. So all that gets let go of. And then gradually, as he saw the film at South by Southwest and realized that people really resonated with the film and with him, I think he started warming up to it. And it's like a, uh, like a flower blossoming, blossoming in slow motion. Mm-hmm. I've seen Leon 
open up to this thing and and almost embracing it now. And it's it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing journey, actually. Um, and I'm not sure what's going to happen after after the uh, two more dates that we have, but um, hopefully he'll continue appearing with the film here and there. That would be great. And uh, yeah, and we'll get we'll get more in depth. He he mentioned in the last Q and A here in in San Francisco that he felt the film was too much of Jim Franklin's speed. Oh, I see. And the audience had an uproar of laughter, and because there's this close-up that goes on for quite a while of Jim Franklin's foot, which is you know <laughs> not the most attractive thing in the world, and <laughs> as he has that monologue about having an artist in the family mm-hmm. and being creative, you see this image of Jim's foot. <laughs> so you can tell that that's the thing that um, probably disturbed Leon from the beginning was this other material that wasn't about him, per se. And according to Les, when he gave his last Q&A at Pixar before he died, he said that the reason there wasn't more of Leon is that he couldn't film Leon. He didn't have access to Leon. Uh, Leon did not like being interviewed. And so... Well, he gave him an opportunity, so... Exactly, and, yeah. and and this is the interesting thing. This is a product of these two men, these two artists at the peak of their career, and how they came together is what leaves this movie in its wake. Yes. And that's what makes it so fascinating and so brilliant. I think that some some critics are finding it to be, they get caught up in this, um, that it's not a traditional film, and they just can't go along with the flow. Right. If you if you if you look at it as just a, a piece of work and you're not expecting it to be something, then you can just kind of go with it and go, oh wow, okay, cool. Right. And it takes you on this kaleidoscopic journey. It's almost as if you're on drugs watching it. Is it that people would prefer to edit it down to? I don't know about that. I think perhaps they would want to like Leon wanted it, perhaps yeah. more about Leon. Right. But that's not what was available at that time. Yeah. Or maybe we don't know. Maybe they did have more of Leon, and maybe this is what less uh, the choices that he made to make this film. I have not ever seen these outtakes. I could not get to them. Oh. I wanted to, and I tried to, but uh, even Leon doesn't have access to these outtakes. Who has them? Well, it's a mystery. I'm not exactly entirely sure. It's, um, it's rumored to be in, in Tulsa, but I'm still working on that. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, a bit complicated. That would be interesting to find. Yeah, it sure would. It? And the, 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 the Cadillac stereo 32-track mix would be great to have, too, because then it would, it would make the audio even, even more um, incredible. Right. The footage is great, you know, from the 70s. It's, it's really uh, in great quality, and I, you know, I love what, what was captured. Well, you know, that you're looking at a product that had two years of work done to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the original film elements that we did have were really dusty, and, and, and in some cases they were turning purple or fading or what have you, and... 
they were restored shot by shot and and conformed to Les's last cut that he did in 2011. And then after all that, the, the film went to India where they did uh, what's called DRS, a digital restoration service, mm-hmm. where they removed all of the particles of dust with, I think, 50 people worked two weeks to, to do that. Wow, it's a lot and, of work. And so now you, you do have some scratches, but uh, all the other artifacts, the dust artifacts are gone, and it's, it is pretty, pretty beautiful. Now there's an, um, other people that have been involved. Maureen Gosling, what was her role in the film? Well, Maureen was just getting started with Les at that time. Mm-hmm. And she was, um, you know, diligently going about whatever Les needed. And she, she mentioned that she observed other camera assistants that were working on the project, observed how they worked, and then she applied those tips to working with Les. She was changing the film magazines. You can see her in the film handing Les a magazine while she was stationed underneath a piano. Right. So in addition to recording the audio, this is really more than two people's jobs here. In addition to recording the, the audio, she was changing magazines at the same time. And so it takes 11 minutes to run a roll of film. And so while one roll of film is being through the camera, she's working on downloading the, the shot film and then loading a new mag with new film and continuously round the, round the clock while they're shooting concert footage doing that. Leave it to a woman to multitask like crazy. I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you, she really did. And, uh, and that kind of it, it started a, was a 20, 20 year career with Les, um, where she edited, started editing his films after that. A lot of work. Yes. A lot of work. And the film's title, could you talk about that a little bit? Well, supposedly Leon discovered it. It was either some album notes, liner notes, or a poem or a song that Leon discovered hanging out with Bob Dylan. Uh, Bob Dylan came to the lake property at some point, and they must have... He, he discovered it there and then mm-hmm. proposed the title for the film. So it does come directly from uh, Bob Dylan, and it was Leon's, Leon's idea. I think that uh, the poem is a naked person. Leon is, is, is the naked person because he, he doesn't, doesn't reveal that much. Um, Les observes him by filming him, but yeah, it, it's, it's more observational than it is Leon talking about himself. Well, it's, I love the title, actually. It's a really yeah, cool title. Yeah, it's, it's a catchy title. Some people don't really realize what it is, and they, they're not sure. It's intriguing, but, uh, though. It's very intriguing. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about you, because you're, you're an artist and a filmmaker, correct? Yeah, I forgot who I was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I forgot who I was doing all this. I never mentioned my my own career. Let's talk about that. Um, I kind of started out in in the art car thing. I started making art cars back in high school, and then when I got out of college, I did a documentary called Wild Wheels. Wait, wait excuse me. Tell us what art cars are. 
Well, our cars are modified cars uh, turned into art, and it could be almost anything. It could be painted, sculpted, uh, a hodgepodge of, of knickknacks, uh, what have you. Um, my my first car was called Oh My God with an exclamation point because that's what people said when they saw it for the first time. Funny. And it was a combination of everything. It was a hybrid of, of paint and objects and uh, sayings and poetry and you name it. It was just covered it. with everything. And then when I got out of college and I did this film called Wild Wheels, it played nationally on PBS in 1993 as a hard feed. Mm-hmm. And 2.1 million people saw this film. And one of them was Leon Russell. And it turns out that this project, Art Cars, uh, had probably something to do with Leon opening up and accepting me into his life to discuss this project. Look at that. He liked the film and he remembered it. And he told the Rolling Stone that it was actually one of his favorite films. Wow. that's pretty cool, and if Les were alive, he would be so so proud of that because, uh, I mean, he was proud of proud of me for for doing everything that I did. Mm-hmm. But he was tiring of the art cars thing, and he he was encouraging me to do other things. So the fact that the art cars connected his film uh, yes. to Leon and, and 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 encouraged it to be released is is amazing. Well, and it's great you stuck with it. Yeah. And well, you know, after that, I decided to do another film because it was it was so moving for me in in making this film on on artists and and trying to get at what what constitutes creativity, what makes people want to create. And in in, in this in this film, it was art cars, but what mm-hmm. makes people want to create, period. And so I made another film called Automorphosis. This was in 2009, and that one didn't do as well. And I think it's because people felt like they'd already seen a film on our cars. They didn't need to see another one. And simultaneously, I was embarking upon a a much bigger project on Burning Man, which, interestingly enough, yes, there's art cars at Burning Man, and, and I covered them thoroughly, Mm -hmm. but Les came aboard for about 15 years. He shot B-roll using his Bell and Howell, the same camera that shot on Burden of Dreams, Wow! to shoot uh, 10 rolls of film every year for 15 years. And this footage is is iconographic. It's it's what defines uh, somebody at Burning Man, and it's... uh, that's just the way. That's one of his knacks. Less, less of talents is, is his his footage is so is so iconographic. I mean, all the way back to to Blues According Lightning Hopkins. If you look mm-hmm. at his choices and 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 in the Leon Russell film as well, he chooses things that that show us a time and a place that are very definitive, like. In the Leon film, you could you could say, well, the images of the tractor tow, where all the men get on a tractor and, and they, uh, towards the end of the film, and, and they're pulled along and then they get off the tractor. Mm-hmm. This, this this it's a moving platform and they're being dragged across the the earth, which I've never seen anywhere else. By the way, excuse me, where can people see some of this footage? 
Well, all of that's in the it's in the in the palm of the naked person. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can you can see um, there's all kinds of footage in in this film that are you know they exemplify what I'm talking about. The less is how left shot, what he shot, and and his choices. Um, there's there's other perhaps other films that I could give you better examples of of what I'm talking about when he he would be filming a shot and he's looking with one eye through the lens. Mm-hmm. The other eye, he's looking ahead of the shot and looking at what else he could gotcha. turn his attention to yes. to make a contrast or to make meaning out of, of putting these images together mm-hmm. while he's shooting. And that's something that's a, a very left blank. Very creative so, mind. What's that? A very creative mind. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of like free-flowing um, poetry. It's yeah. um, it's like a poetry jam in behind the camera. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is perfect with the title, you know. <laughs> perfect. Exactly. Um, I love that you started this nonprofit in honor of your dad. Well, he actually started that oh, um, upon the encouragement of Werner Herzog. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, Les was, he was going to have me try to run his, his business after his death and do all this, which I would have done um, just the same. But Werner, Werner encouraged him to make it a nonprofit so that even after my death, mm-hmm. um, Les, Les's works would live on. And so um, that's what happened. I'm, 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 the, pres- I'm the interim president for, for the future. And the first thing on Les's list of, of things to do was to release this film. By the way, you talked about your cars and your work. Are there pictures somewhere on a website where people can see your work? Oh yeah, yeah. If you if you um, you can go to. I mean, all my stuff is on lesblank dot com as well. Okay. Uh, it's like filmed by other people, and and you can see you can see those and see trailers and I've done books and. If you, if you just Google my name and, and art cards, you'll see good examples of what I'm talking about. H-A-R-R-O-D, blank. Yeah. Great. I did a camera van back in 1995, which was encouraged by the fact that my entire life I've been observing my father working with cameras. So the mm-hmm. camera has become this powerful um, image for for me growing up it's the thing that made magic it's the thing that made beauty yes and it was less of craft and tool and so when i was 17 he gave me my first slr and i started taking pictures which by the way i ended up selling you did <laughs> and yes i got into photography and i made a career of licensing images of art cars for advertising around the world. And that's how I financed my film projects. That's great, Aaron. Interestingly enough, as I matured with taking pictures and licensing them, um, I, I continuously told Les, I said, well, your pictures have to be special and worth something, too. And he said, oh, no, not really. Well, it turns out that as he was sick with bladder cancer and dying, mm-hmm. we went together over his images and made selects. And he had something like over 5,000 
35 millimeter slides, and they're wow. beautiful, beautiful, oh. just like what he would shoot in film. He was actually training his eye to be a cinematographer by taking photographs all these years. He was very diligent as a, a training, studying film student. So now, after uh, we made these selects, I've actually started trying to do something with his photography. That would be great. And in fact, in Los Angeles at Cine Family, they have an exhibit in the back um, garden exhibit area of 14 of Les's photography photos. He doesn't. He didn't ever realize just how talented it sounds like he was. No, and uh, you know who else is similar is Leon Russell. Yes, I'm, I'm finding that both of them they're they, they're not ones to you know toot their own horn. I, I have to pull this out of them. Um, I'm continuously learning from Leon of these incredible things that he's done. Nobody knows. Right. You know, he, he told me about this this seven-camera um, structure that he designed way back in the 70s for shooting interviews. <laughs> and he's still doing this today. He's got Seven. a studio in his living room in, in outside of Nashville mm-hmm. where he's shooting interviews with seven cameras at the same time. Is he performing at all? Oh, God, yes. Okay, so is uh, this locally where he is, or is he touring? No, no, no. He's touring like crazy. If you go to Mm leonrussellrecords.com, click on tour dates, you'll see how much he's performing. It's insane. So I would think with this film and touring that, you know, so many people are going to hear about the film. Yeah, but he's not, like I said, he's not. He's not promoting it at mm. all. He doesn't even mention his website when he does um, does these appearances or shows. He yeah. he just kind of lays it out there, and people can figure it out if they want to. But right. you know, Les was different with that. Les would would try to sell his T-shirts and DVDs and all of that at at, the, at his personal appearances when he appeared with films. Mm-hmm. And that's how he actually paid for a lot of his his expenses on the road. What an experience growing up, you know, with all this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, Wild. It's a psychedelic uh, circus. Yes, yes. Of. Not surprising you grew up to be so artistic. Yeah, it was always something going on. Mm-hmm. Always, um, always thinking outside the box. For me, it was, it was, I grew up in a forest as well with, with my mother and my brother. In a forest? And, and a, in the Santa Cruz Mountains. What's that? You grew up in a forest. Yeah, in, in Bonnie Dune in the Santa Cruz Mountains. What was that like? And we're, that's, uh, it's, it's above UC Santa Cruz in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And the nearest neighbor when we were, we were growing up was about two or three miles away. So oh we were left to our own devices out in nature. And, and that just kind of, you know, I dreamed up reality. Yes. Um, out there, and, and then, then we would see Les during the summers, and in fact, one summer in 1973, he brought us both to Oklahoma to the set of this film he was working on, A Poem as a Naked Person, mm-hmm. and I was uh, 10 years old, and I became a Leon Russell nut fan, <laughs> and I collected everything that Shelter Records put out, including its egg-shaped logo with a Superman uh, 
insignia in the middle of it, and I had a, uh, had that sticker on all my notebooks, and I was listening to J.J. Kale and these other records that Leon and Denny Cordell were putting out. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic. What a great yeah. influence at a young age. I mean, yeah. musically. Yeah. I mean, I saw the footage, Willie Nelson and all these incredible musicians. Well, I, I didn't see them when I was a kid. In fact, I didn't even see Leon. Oh, you did He was out on tour. But I did see the swimming pool, and I went swimming in the lake, and caught catfish, and I got a glimpse of, uh, of daily life out there. Mm-hmm. And it was actually paradise for Les. He, it, it had so much of what Les loved in life, especially water. He, he loved to go swimming, and he loved like drinking beer and watching sunsets. That, that's what he loved to do. That's great. So I could see why there's so many sunsets in, in this film. Mm-hmm. It's so, in a sense, you you know, this is your dad's legacy, you know, and it's all captured right there. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's it's a time capsule right. of of a life that was lived in the in the set early seventies mm-hmm. in that place. What's on your What's on your plan? You know your What's what's going on with you as far as are there other projects you'd like to continue on? Um, more films you'd like to make? Well, I need to I need to wrap up this this Burning Man project, which has been going on for twenty two years. In fact, I I still don't have my tickets for this year, but I I, I really need to conclude that and and dump my energy into this this Burning Man film project, which is probably like a series of three or five parts series of, of films and um, as soon as this Leon Russell film is done I and it's out really out to the world uh, internationally because right now Janus Films and Criterion are doing the theatrical DVD Blu-ray respectively releases and so thankfully that they, they came on board to put this film out because that's part of the equation in getting something out. You really need the, the distribution sure. end of things Yes, and so now I need to work on international, get that going. I need to find a, an international agent that is really uh, jives with the film, and then uh, then I can relax on this project and, and do go back to my own life, and uh, I'll, I'll continue working on Les's films over time, but just mm-hmm. not concentrated. Right, of course. Like this this Leon film. This is all I've been doing for two years. That's a lot of time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. But and it's a, it's a, it's actually the worst part of filmmaking is <laughs> the getting the rights and the music clearances and negotiating deals and trying to you know please the uh, a person who wasn't happy with it. <laughs> of course, you know, and, and and trying to make it all work. It, it's uh, so many variables. Yeah, and and so much paperwork and and lawyers and licensing and all of that stuff. Well, it's you know it's a great film and it's it's amazing what you've done, you know. Well, thank you. Do you have any advice for people? The, the theme of the show, by the way, is get the funk out. So, if you've ever been through a personal funk, career funk, do you have advice for people that perhaps are going through a funk and how to, you know, stay out of it or get out of it? Hmm, that's an interesting question. I don't really have that problem myself because I, just, I, I, I 
just do things every moment and uh, I'm never I'm never trapped or bored or or anything like that but uh I don't know perhaps um going for it you know a lot of ideas we have we we don't execute we don't we don't go for it we 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 are intimidated by the reality of making a fantasy come true yes definitely. yeah i could you could look at just your your own car and if you have a fantasy to do an art car or you know whatever you want to do to it you have this fantasy but you don't do it and and some of it is intimidation or some of it is it doesn't seem like it's going to make money mm-hmm. and then you, you don't do it because it doesn't it's not rational right but when with regards to my own self when i have exact i was in exactly that place and i had this dream to cover my car with cameras i was blown away by this dream and in the morning i, I reflected on it and i thought well that's absolutely crazy perfect <laughs> if i was to do that in reality it would be absolutely crazy and it turns out that that piece ended up costing me like $35,000 and two years of my life. But I ended up, it ended up taking me around the world and it ended up making its money back. Mm-hmm. And look at and that. It, it, it gave me this very fulfilling experience. So, you know, that's just, I think that's probably it. And, 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 and listening, listening to yourself and, and, and just going forward. I think that's, you know, that would be it. It's great advice because a lot of times we um, have two trains of thought. One is, oh, that's a great idea. And then the other is, what are you out of your mind? That's the dumbest thing. It's never going to happen. It's too much work. I can't do it. Yeah, or it's not rational. It's, it's not, not going to make money. I right. think that's, that, that's something that stops a lot of people right there. It's mm-hmm. not, it may not make money. It may not be a means of survival. Yes. Um. Yeah. But then you never know what's going to come back around. No, no. And if it's a brilliant idea or a brilliant creation, then it it may take you for a ride. That's true. And a great ride at that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Herod, we have to wrap up. So could you throw out your website one more time? Yes. LesBlank.com or HarrodBlank.com and LeonRussellRecords.com. Great. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. Hey, thank you all, and thank you for what you're doing. Oh, you're so welcome. Have a great day. All right. Bye, Herod. Bye-bye. That was Herod Blank, son of Les Blank, calling to talk about A Poem is a Naked Person. That was featuring the singer-songwriter and rock and roll Hall of Famer Leon Russell. If you want more information about the film, it is up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I'm going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. 